Volume Two, Chapter One of the Life and Amours of the Beautiful, Gay, and Dashing Kate Percival, the Belle of the Delaware. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Life and Amours of Kate Percival, written by herself. Volume Two, Chapter One. Herbert Clarence's History Continued I was punctual to the moment with my engagement with the beautiful Helen, and the moment I saw her I rushed into her arms. I then proceeded to strip her of her clothes, and she did the same office for me. I made her sit naked as she was on my knee, and began kissing her body all over, caressing her breasts and sucking the rosy tips surmounting them. I descended to her belly, smoothing it with my hand, and then I attacked the very centre of pleasure, first putting in one finger and then another, and twisting the hair surrounding her mount. I then made her stand with her legs apart, and I kneeled before her and put my tongue into the coral passage, giving her intense pleasure. I seized her clitoris between my lips, at the same time titillating the inside of her con with my finger. I thought she would expire with delight. I stroked down her thighs with my hands. I then made her stoop forward, by which means she exposed her handsome buttocks completely to my gaze. I slapped them with my hand until they were as red as a cherry. This was too much for me, for making her lean with her head on the bed, I had a fine opportunity to enter her from the rear. I was on her in a moment. I felt her warm buttocks rubbing against my belly, while my instrument entered a prodigious way into her body and I commenced my movements. At every push I made, I could feel my testicles strike against her bottom. My hands, at the same time, were passed round her body. With one hand I handled her breasts, with the other I rubbed the top of her slit. The pleasure was so great that it could not last, and we both actually swooned away when the crisis came, I falling all my length on her back, and she falling on her belly on the bed. A few minutes' repose served to renew our energies. I now placed a large cushion on the bed, and, taking her in my arms, I made her recline against it, in such a way that I could easily enter her body while in a standing position. She passed one arm around my neck, the other around my body, and her two breasts beat against my chest. My instrument was soon buried in her glowing sheath. I pushed vigorously, and her breasts rebounded, quivered with the shock, even our very hair intermingled. She was beyond herself and could continue her passion no longer, but opening her thighs to the utmost extent she discharged, and I did the same, her pleasures being a hundred times increased as she felt the warm liquor rushing into her womb. We soon recovered ourselves. This time I seated myself on the bed and drew her naked as she was onto my knees. How delicious was the sensation of her warm bottom to my thighs! She impaled herself on the object of her divinity. She now moved herself rapidly up and down, but I did not let her finish in this manner, but turning her around with her face towards me, I carried her to a sofa and lay panting and heaving on her bosom. She began to wriggle her bottom again, and in a few moments we again dissolved in bliss. The time had now arrived for us to separate, and hurriedly dressing ourselves we bade an affectionate farewell to each other. I never saw Helen after this, for my uncle died suddenly, leaving me his heir, and Helen was married shortly after. 
and went south to live. Soon after coming into my uncle's estate, I moved to New York, and took up my residence at the St. Nicholas Hotel, determined to see a little life before settling down as a steady man. I had been at the hotel but a few days when I made the acquaintance of a gentleman about my own age. His name was George Darville, and he was a first-class fellow. In the course of conversation we struck on subjects of an amorous character, and I soon discovered that my friend was no novice in the field of Venus. That same evening we went together to Niblo's garden, and took our places in the parquet. Just before the curtain rose I stood up from my seat to gaze around the house. My eyes were immediately arrested by a beautiful girl stationed in one of the private boxes. She was the most perfect blonde I had ever seen. Her hair was a glossy auburn, and shaded a face that might have served for the model of Titian's Venus. Her features were regular, her eyes a deep blue shaded by long eyelashes, which gave a dreamy expression to her lovely countenance. Her lips were full and sensuous, a lovely carnation hue, evidently nature's own colouring, adorned her soft velvet cheek. Her neck and shoulders, for she wore a low-necked dress, were as white as Parian marble, and her bust was full and voluptuous. I immediately turned to George and asked him if he knew her. "'Why, that's Harriet Wells,' said he. "'The most lascivious woman in all New York. She does nothing in the common way, not even the act of sexual intercourse. She is a young girl of immense fortune, and puts no restraint on her passions.' But come with me, and I will introduce you to her. I am in favor with her just now, and perhaps we may get an invitation to supper. If we do, I can tell you we will see a scene that you will remember to the longest day of your life. We immediately proceeded to the box where the beautiful girl was seated. She received us with a charming smile, and I was soon on terms of the closest intimacy with her. After we had conversed for about a quarter of an hour, she whispered something to George, to which he made the reply, All right. She then turned to me and asked me to sup with her that evening, after the play was over. To this invitation I gave a willing assent. The first act of the play was over, and the curtain rose for the second. What a dull piece, said Harriet. Let us retire to the rear of the box, where we shall not be seen by the audience. We can then converse with more freedom. I dare say you don't care about seeing the play, Mr. Clarence. Not at all, I replied. I would a thousand times rather converse with you than see the finest play in the world. That's a very pretty compliment, said she, rising from her chair and taking up her position at the back of the box, where I followed her. George now excused himself and said that he would return when the piece was ended, leaving me alone with Harriet. In the position we had taken, no one could see us, neither from the stage nor from the theatre. When we were alone, I put my arms round the lovely girl's waist, and, drawing her towards me, imprinted a moist kiss on her soft, dewy lips, and then begged her pardon for my boldness. "'There is no apology necessary,' said Harriet. "'I like it as much as you do yourself, and I like men to be bold.' She then kissed me of her own accord, and I could even feel her tongue penetrate my lips, while a deep flush of desire suffused her face. Thus encouraged, I grew more bold and placed my hand on her white shoulders. I gently let it slide down inside the front of her dress, and it came in contact with her glorious bubbies. 
of all the breasts i had ever felt there were none could be compared with hers so voluptuous so white and so firm i handled them at will pressing them and pulling down her dress exposing them to my ardent gaze harriet placed one of her feet on a chair and placed her other leg across my lap this movement raised her petticoats in such a manner that it showed me a considerable portion of her gloriously formed limbs in a moment my hand was under her clothes handling at will her lovely con she stretched her thighs widely to assist me in my researches nay more she raised her petticoats with her own hand and exposed to my delighted gaze the lovely domain of venus i frantically seized the beautiful girl and stretching her length upon a settee i strode over her and forcing my head between her thighs i kissed her mount over and over while she nestled my rod between her breasts i sought out her clitoris which i easily found for it was extremely largely developed and began to titillate it with my tongue stop cried harriet a convulsive shudder running through her system you must reserve yourself for to-night i now desisted and we contented ourselves with feeling and touching only until the piece was ended just before the conclusion of the play harriet sent a note to the green room and informed me that she had invited two well-known actresses to sup with us they were both beautiful girls but more of them by and by as we were leaving the theatre george and the two actresses who had been invited found us and we all proceeded to harriet's house in her carriage miss wells resided in a magnificent mansion on fifth avenue when we entered i was struck with the elegance seen everywhere the drawing-room especially claimed my attention a delicious perfume was distilled in the atmosphere and the brilliant gas-burners shed an effusion of light throughout the apartment the most elegant furniture was spread through the chamber consisting of canopies sofas and chairs of the most costly description on the floor was spread a carpet so soft that the sound of footsteps was inaudible the walls were a mass of mirrors extending from the ceiling to the floor relieved here and there by magnificent paintings representing woman's form in every attitude and every variety of costume in fact the most beautiful women could be seen from those most simply clad to those without a particle of clothing to cover their nakedness i was transported with the scene i felt my blood boil in my veins with undefined desires we all five sat down to a magnificent supper and partook plentifully of champagne the three girls looked beautiful in the evening costumes they were all very lightly clad revealing a considerable portion of their womanly charms their dresses were cut very low in the neck revealing almost the whole of their lovely breasts their dresses too were of the thinnest description and allowed their voluptuous limbs to be distinctly traced through them one of the actresses was named ernestine a beautiful girl of about twenty the other was named isabel and was a year or two younger after supper we entered a delicious boudoir evidently fitted up purposely for performing the rites of venus we had no sooner entered the chamber than harriet exclaimed come ladies and gentlemen you all know what we have come here for let's have no reserve so saying she deliberately pulled up her skirts above her navel and seating herself on the ground stretched her thighs open to the widest extent giving us a full view of her hidden charms she then pulled me to her and unbuttoning my trousers released my staff and began to kiss and embrace it titillating the head of it with her tongue 
nor was this all ernestine also raised up her skirts and showed us her magnificently formed thighs and mons veneris and putting her arms round my neck kissed me passionately isabel sat down before george and shaking her dress off from her shoulders she nestled his staff between her lovely bubbies her petticoats too were elevated so that we could see all the lower portion of her naked body i glanced in the mirrors around the room and beheld a glorious scene first of all there was the beautiful harriet with her milk-white thighs stretched widely apart and her pouting bijou covered with its downy moss staring me right in the face then there was the charming ernestine with her luscious con rubbing against my thigh while isabel showed me her white buttocks with the lips of her slit peeping between the posterior portion of her splendid thighs of course the sight of these beauties fired my blood in such a manner that i was completely beside myself and if harriet had continued her titillations with her tongue a minute more i must have omitted in her mouth but she suddenly stopped let us all strip she exclaimed our clothes are only in our way we all seconded her motion and in a few moments we were all as naked as we were born ye gods what a glorious sight it was for me just imagine three beautiful women entirely naked before my eyes thighs breasts bellies bottoms cons all merited my admiration and deserved my embraces i paid my devoir to all three without any distinction now it was harriet's beautiful bubbies now ernestine's lovely bottom and now isabel's glorious slit i kissed them all over not even omitting their lovely mounts of venus indeed i can say with truth that before three minutes elapsed i had explored all three of their vaginas with my tongue nor had they been passive spectators the while for they paid back with interest on my person all that i did to them they sucked my pego they titillated my testicles they forced their fingers into the trou de moncul ernestine breathed on my belly while isabel slapped my buttocks george went through exactly the same thing the consequence was we were all inflamed to the highest degree when harriet thought we were all sufficiently excited she raised her finger as a token for us to cease and exclaimed i proclaim myself the priestess of this assembly and shall take upon myself the ordering of all tableau first of all i give as your motto voluptuousness lasciviousness and sexual enjoyment there must be no modesty no shamefacedness and everybody must obey the slightest of my commands let them be ever so outre i shall make use of the common words when referring to the organs of generation and shall expect everyone else to do the same i shall still continue to use the french words but you must understand that whenever i do so the english common words were used by harriet and her companions and now to begin continued harriet fond as i am of being embraced by a man i like almost equally well to receive the embraces of my own sex and still more to see others performing the desired act of copulation she now sat down on a low sofa and stretched her thighs widely apart my first order is that ernestine shall kneel before me and fet my con with her delicious tongue and that while she is thus engaged mr clarence shall embrace her from behind while george shall satisfy isabel's pouting slit with his magnificent staff so close to me that i can feel them both when in the act 
we immediately began to work in the manner prescribed to us ernestine knelt down and fastened her head between harriet's lovely thighs and separating the lips of the latter's con with her finger and thumb she plunged her tongue into the coral cavity the position ernestine assumed caused her splendid bottom to be elevated in the air and between the cheeks of her buttocks i could plainly discern the luscious lips of her con in a moment i was behind and pointing my staff it was quickly embedded in her warm vagina the lips of her sheath clasping it like a glove george took isabel and placed her sitting on the sofa beside harriet the lovely girl raised her thighs in the air george rushed between them and his instrument pierced her to the quick harriet clapped her hand as a signal that we were to commence and we all began to push for the very life harriet by means of the mirror had the whole voluptuous scene before her eyes while she felt ernestine's tongue in her salacious slit she could see my instrument enter in and out of the latter's con and saw also george's rod appear and disappear in isabel's beautiful body now more while the two latter were thus engaged our priestess stretched out her hand placed it underneath isabel's thighs and titillated their sexual organs while in the act of coition sometimes it would be the lovely girl's clitoris another time it would be her bottom and another george's pendants which she gently squeezed these touches had the effect of causing those two to go before we did i suddenly saw isabel's eyelids tremble she raised her white thighs high in the air while a convulsive shudder of delight ran through her whole body george's strokes now became faster and more furious his buttocks quivered and he fell palpitating on his companion's belly while a low cry from her announced that he had sent his fiery metal up to her very womb meeting her own emission on the way about a minute afterwards i felt ernestine's vagina embrace my penis tightly a convulsive trembling seized her bottom and she wiggled herself from side to side on my staff in another moment i had inundated her with my sperm while she discharged so copiously that it trickled down the inside of her beautiful thighs i too come said harriet seeing that we were all hors de combat and she elevated her buttocks and pressing her mount tightly to ernestine's face found relief in a shower of love's dew and then sank back exhausted on the sofa in a minute or two we all rose washed ourselves and were ready for another bout seat yourself on the sofa mr clarence said harriet i obeyed she came and sat on my lap and guided my stiff dart into the innermost recesses of her con she then leaned forward and making george sit on the other end of the sofa she took his staff between her magnificent breasts and squeezing them close together held it a tight prisoner there she now made isabel take her place by my side and ernestine sat next to george she then ordered us to place our hands on each of their cons we obeyed harriet had one of the most delicious bijoux in the world it was so tight and warm that it embraced my pego very closely i forced the middle finger of my right hand into isabel's coral passage while i titillated her clitoris with my thumb with my other hand i tickled harriet's bottom george did the same for ernestine and we all moved together i noticed that while george's staff was moving between her two bubbies she frequently bent forward and titillated the ruby head of his rod with her tongue all at once i saw the white seaman gush from his engine all over her white breasts at the same moment that i shot my charge into harriet's vagina and received isabel's emission on my hand 
Ernestine, too, almost at the same moment, bedewed George's fingers. This last engagement seemed rather to increase our sexual desires rather than to quench them. Acting according to the orders of our priestess, I sat myself on a chair before a large mirror. Isabel came and straddled my thighs, and Ernestine guided my engine into Isabel's lovely grotto. I cast my eyes in the glass, and had a splendid front view of my companion's thighs, notch, etc. I could see my staff embedded in her vagina, and had a distinct view of the luscious lips embracing it. The lovely girl was delighted to be so thoroughly gorged. Ernestine laid on her back exactly in front of us, and Harriet knelt down before her, and with her tongue titillated her clitoris, while George entered Harriet from behind. It was a magnificent sight to us, and we all soon emitted. We now partook of some spiced wine, which had the effect of entirely restoring our energies, and our rampant instruments proved that we were quite ready for another engagement in the courts of Venus. Harriet now ordered me to lie on my back on the floor, and pushed Ernestine on the top of me. My pego entered her con. Harriet began to tickle our genitals when we were thus joined, while George entered her en coule, at the same time passing his hand in front of her, and titillating her clitoris with his finger. With her unoccupied hand, Harriet took possession of Isabel's con, and forced two fingers in it, and in this manner we all again succumbed. I should tire you if I were to enumerate all the manners and modes in which we accomplished the sexual act. Suffice it to say that we kept it up until five o'clock the next morning, and only ceased from sheer inability to proceed further. During that time I had embraced three girls in every part of their bodies, en con, en cul, between the bubbies, the buttocks, and, in short, every portion of their bodies. I took a week's rest after this night's experience. My history is already too long, but I have one more adventure to describe, and then I have done. About a month after my adventure with Harriet Wells, I received a note from an aunt of mine, who kept a ladies' seminary in Westchester County, New York, asking me to come and spend a month with her. Having no particular business to attend to, I determined to accept this invitation, thinking perhaps I might meet with some adventures among so many young girls, beside which I knew that my aunt had a very pretty daughter, and I thought perhaps she and I might become better acquainted. In a few hours I was at my aunt's door, and was received with the utmost cordiality by my aunt. I had scarcely entered the drawing-room before my cousin Emmeline made her appearance. The moment I cast my eyes upon her, I was almost struck dumb with surprise, for she was so much more beautiful than I had expected to find her. It was at least ten years since I had seen her. She was at that time twelve years old, and promised to be very pretty, but I never expected to see such an embodiment of female loveliness as now appeared. My cousin Emmeline was twenty-two years of age. She was tall, stately, and voluptuously formed. Her face was perfectly oval, and her features were regular almost to a fault. Her hair, which was very abundant, was a dark glossy brown, and fell in massive bands on a neck as white and pure as alabaster. Her eyes were dark and flashing, and shrouded with long eyelashes, while her figure was perfect. She was dressed en negligee, but through her morning wrapper I could trace the round form of her voluptuous bust. 
She received me with the utmost frankness, and made no objection to the kiss that I imprinted on her ruby lips, with a cousin's liberty. During her temporary absence from the room, her mother informed me that she was to be married in three weeks to a very rich gentleman, who was a good deal older than herself, and for whom she did not profess any deep attachment. In the afternoon I was ushered into the schoolroom, and found myself surrounded by thirty or forty beautiful girls of all ages and styles of loveliness. Some of them were excessively beautiful, and all cast on me curious glances, as if they wondered what my business could be there. In the evening my aunt, cousin, and myself met in the drawing-room, and the evening was passed with music, singing, and conversation. If Emmeline looked beautiful in a morning costume, she was perfectly lovely in evening dress. She wore her frock cut so low in the neck that the contours of her lovely bust could be plainly seen. In fact, while she was performing on the piano, I bent over her for the purpose of turning the leaves of her music, and as she bent forward I had a most distinct view of the two white semi-globes of her bosom. They were separated by a white valley which led to other hidden charms. The sight of her delicious bubbies so excited me that I was compelled to hold my pocket-handkerchief in front of me to hide the protuberance produced by her charms. Several days passed, during which time I attempted to take several liberties with my cousin, but she always stopped me at a certain point, no doubt actuated by the fact of her approaching marriage. I was in despair, for I saw no way of accomplishing my designs. The thought struck me, however, that if I could only succeed in exciting her passions, I might move her to my will. I determined to make my attempt. I had in my stock amorous books, one in French, entitled L'Académie des Dames, an exceedingly lascivious work, interspersed with the most magnificent engravings. It was something like Aretino's favourite Putanti Errante, but much more full and complete. It purported to be a dialogue between two young girls, and gave the fullest information in all sexual matters, interspersed with vivid and glowing descriptions of the sexual act. This book I stealthily lay in my cousin's way, as if I had left it there by accident. I rejoiced to find, half an hour afterwards, on returning to the place where I had put it, that it was gone, and I had no doubt but that it had fallen into Emmeline's hands. The house in which my aunt resided was an old-fashioned building, containing very large rooms, all communicating with each other. The bedroom allotted to me was situated next to Emmeline's chamber, and there was a communication between the two apartments by means of a closet, which served for both rooms. This closet was only divided by a green curtain. I retired to bed very early that night, and the first thing I did was to cut a hole in the curtain and leave my side of the closet door open. I then put out my light, and waited for events. I had not to wait long, for I soon heard Emmeline's light step ascending the stairs. I had only just taken my position in the closet, when she entered the chamber. As luck would have it, she did not close her closet door, but immediately began to undress. Great God! What beauties she revealed to me as she removed her garments, one by one! First it was her beautiful shoulders, next her voluptuous limbs, and lastly her resplendent bosom, for when she stood in her chemise I had a full view of her naked bubbies. No words that I can utter can give the faintest idea of the glories of their form and beauty. They were beyond comparison. 
she now went to her trunk and took from it a book which i discovered in a moment to be l'academie des dames and then she threw herself lightly clad as she was upon the bed her couch was placed exactly opposite my hiding-place so that i had a most perfect view of her as she reclined there one of her milk-white breasts was entirely bare and her chemise was raised sufficiently high for me to see a portion of her lovely thighs she began to read and soon i saw a strange change take place in her her face grew flushed her bosom heaved and she began to twist her legs and thighs about in a curious manner suddenly without any previous intimation of her intention she seized the lower end of her chemise and slowly raised it above her navel by this action all her hidden charms were entirely exposed to me heavens i glanced on the picture imagination cannot paint the delicious sight that met my eyes her con was one of the loveliest i had ever beheld i could distinctly trace the two pouting lips through a forest of umbrageous covering while her white belly her delicious thighs and voluptuous breast formed the adjuncts to a picture which i feel it is in vain for me to attempt to describe the lovely emmeline still continued reading little suspecting that prying eyes were eagerly devouring her most secret charms she held the book in her left hand her right fell carelessly by her side her fingers coming in contact with the hair surrounding her mons veneris a shiver ran through her system when she felt the place on which her hand had fallen and she instinctively raised up her thighs to admit more easily her researches into her own beauties the book had evidently grown now quite interesting for i saw the middle finger of her hand slowly separate the pouting lips of her bijou to find a refuge in her warm vagina she now began to move it in and out slowly at first it appeared to fit very tightly for every onward motion brought out the myphi and they disappeared again when the deflowering finger advanced inwards these titillations were more than the lovely girl could bear for she threw away the book and set earnestly about giving herself relief her fingers now moved with lightning rapidity in and out of her vagina while with her thumb she titillated her clitoris by heavens she's about to come i can read it in the voluptuous motions of her charming body i can read it in the frantic motion of her finger and in the twitching of her eyelids there dear girl now it flows there there the acme was reached and she fainted away i was so excited by what i had seen that regardless of consequences i rushed into my cousin's bedchamber she did not hear me for she had not yet recovered her consciousness i pulled out my pocket-handkerchief and wiped her lovely bijou perfectly dry i then knelt down by the side of the bed and tenderly kissed the theatre of her pleasures the warmth of my embrace doubtless recalled her to herself for she opened her eyes and gazed on me the moment she saw me she uttered a faint scream hush dear emmeline i exclaimed it is i your cousin herbert after what i have seen all further reserve would be folly i love you my dear cousin and must enjoy your beautiful body no one need know anything about it promise to conceal what you have seen this night and you may do anything you please with me she replied i swear it i answered the beautiful girl no sooner heard me utter these words than she threw her arms round my neck and kissed me passionately i twined her beautiful limbs in mine and rolled her over on the bed i now laid on my back and turning her magnificent buttocks towards my face 
she guided my lance into her ruby cavity. A slight upward motion on my part caused it to enter completely, and I had the gratification of seeing my instrument enter in and out of her coral crevice during the act of coition. Emmeline, when she felt my proud engine pierce her vitals, was almost delirious with joy. She knelt with my thighs between hers, and in the delirium of pleasure convulsively grasped the bedclothes. I felt that I was about to emit, and finding that she was not quite ready to come, I passed a hand round her hips, and titillated her clitoris with my finger. This had the effect of immediately bringing down her emission. We both discharged together. I have already, my dear girls, made my history too long, or I could detain you for hours yet with an account of the various modes in which I enjoyed my cousin. I could also tell you how I overcame the virtue of five of my aunt's eldest scholars, and how one night we all enjoyed an orgy in my cousin Emmeline's chamber. But in such a relation I should necessarily have to repeat scenes I have already depicted, so I forbear. My cousin Emmeline was married on the day appointed. I returned home, became acquainted with my present wife, and was married. Some little time after my marriage I managed to get Amy to accept my embraces. I shall leave the details for her to tell. Amy blushed and would fain have been excused, but we both insisted. Amy was not obdurate and could not withstand our entreaties. She commenced her history in the terms which will be found in the next chapter. End of Volume 2 Chapter 1